the blast from our past network. Hello and welcome to the Blast from Our Past podcast. We are the podcast that gives you full-on movie breakdowns, TV show reviews, and a whole lot more, all from the things of our nostalgic past. I'm Adam. I'm John. And today we have got a John Candy-inspired episode. Uh, John Candy was just one of the absolute greatest you know, stars, I feel, of my childhood. Uh, so many great movies that we loved when we were younger. Cool Runnings, Summer Rental... Uh, Planes, Trains, and Automobiles. He was in Blues Brothers. We already talked about him in that. Mm-hmm. That was like our third episode or something way, way back. <laughs> but today we're doing what I probably consider his most iconic role. Probably most people would consider that. Yeah. When when I, when I we think of him, this is the first role. And we are talking the 1989 film Uncle Buck. Um, we are going to be doing a uh, the talking about for the TV show. We're going to do the short-lived cartoon Camp Candy because uh, John Candy voiced his own his own character in that one. I actually want to say I feel like there was like an Uncle Buck TV show at some point uh, that maybe had a pilot and didn't go anywhere. Yeah, I'm pretty sure there was, but it was it's, it's not, worth not worth talking about. about yeah, one pilot. Uh, but anyway, but Camp Candy is is one that's nostalgic for I think of a lot of people. Uh, and then we are going to try our hand at recasting Uncle Buck if they were going to redo it now. Yeah, I'm not I I'm I'm not I'm not going to lie. I'm not confident in it because it, I don't think it matters who I pick as Uncle yeah. Buck. It's it's not going to be good enough. It's yeah, it's going to be very very tough. I picked my Uncle Buck first because he's the most important person, but it's even then it's really tough, I agree. But we'll see. You know what? Maybe we will surprise some people with our fantastic castings because we are amazing casters. Um, <laughs> anybody out there should probably just hire us to cast your movie. I agree. Yeah. <laughs> All right. <laughs> so 1989, the year of the buck. Uh, John, could you give us you know, some of that, those feels and let us know what was happening around then? All right. Uh, the movie came out on August 16th of 1989, the Billboard Top 100 single of that week. Adam. I'm right here waiting for you. Right here waiting by Richard Marks. Something, something do. I'll be right here waiting for Spooze. Uh, Spooze was my nickname in college for rugby. It just made sense to kind of go with that flow. Uh, a little inside sure. baseball there. <laughs> yeah. Uh, no surprise, Cheers was on everyone's television at this time. Uh, the New York Times bestseller is a mo- uh, movie, geez, a book called Polar Star by Martin Cruz Smith. Uh, a vi- the video game that had come out that everyone was playing is one I'm not familiar with, um, and I believe it was for the Nintendo system called Dragon Warrior. Okay, don't know it. And the only other little in- uh, little bit about uh, 1989 I have is 1989 was the last time that Daniel Day-Lewis apparently appeared on stage after he played Hamlet and claimed to see the ghost of his own father during the performance. Oh, so he switched to movies after that. And he did no more, no more theater. Apparently, 
Okay. I tried to I tried to look it up to see if there was another incident of maybe he had gone back to theater, mm-hmm. but apparently, as far as I know, 1989 was the last time he was on on in on a, in the theater in a stage where he where he saw the ghost of his father. Apparently, yes. And doesn't Hamlet see the ghost of his father? Yes, that's why he freaked him out. Okay. <laughs> okay. All right, John, you will be uh, impressed. I bought an actual book yesterday. What? Yeah, and I intend to read it at some point. Uh, now, granted, it's it's not going to be a difficult read. It's um, the sequel, uh, Ready Player Two. Uh, I really enjoyed Ready Player One, so I saw that they had a sequel that came out, and so I got that, and I will read that hopefully soon. Still never read Ready, uh, Ready Player One. Well, I mean, as a nostalgic guy, I think you'd like it. It's an easy read, and it is just it hits you in all the right nostalgias. Okay. All right. Well, all of that, I feel sufficiently into 1989. And uh, without further ado, let's talk Uncle Book. Uncle Buck, 1989. This film was directed by John Hughes, like legendary 80s, early 90s director, writer, um, he was, this was also written by John Hughes. So he did things, you know, everybody should know 16 Candles, Breakfast Club, Ferris Bueller, or just a whole bunch more. He didn't he write Home Alone. He as wrote well? Home Alone. Yeah, he uh, didn't direct Planes, it. Planes, Trains, and Automobiles. Yeah, tons of stuff. Uh, music for Uncle Buck, which I really like the music in this film. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was done by Ira Newborn, who has done some movies like Mall Rats, Ace Ventura, and then a whole bunch of uh, the other John Hughes stuff like Ferris Bueller, Planes, Trains, and Automobiles, Weird Science, 16 Candles. Uh, the cask. The cask. Not cask. Uh, <laughs> I, my, my, I guess my brain is a little bit on whiskey. My wife got me a cask strength uh, Irish whiskey <laughs> for my birthday. Uh, the cast with a T. Uh, Buck Russell is played by John Candy. We've already talked about some of the things he's done. Other one that I want to mention, SCTV. We did talk about him a mm-hmm. little bit on that because he's just he was a fantastic uh, sketch sketch guy in um, in SCTV. Uh, Tia Russell is played by Jean Louisa Kelly. She has been in a couple things, a movie called Yes, Dear. She was in Miss, Miss, uh, Mr. Holland's Opus. I just don't really remember her from it. And she's going to be in the new Top Gun. Ooh. So that's cool. Yeah. If that ever if that ever comes out, it'll come out. It'll just it'll take a while. Yeah, I think they're pr- if they're going to be smart, they'll let some streaming service pay them to do it. The yeah. thing is, like, I don't think I think I love movie theaters. Yeah. But I think that this I think COVID has really shown people that it's just not necessary anymore. And I think uh, I think it is not to say they're going to die. They're never going to fully die. Right. But they are. They're going to be very, very minimal, in my opinion, coming in the future. I think I think they will get back to where they were. I just think it's going to take a longer time than people want. Okay. You know, and okay. I, I'm not talking about like, oh, next year. I mean, like maybe five years, maybe ten years. Yeah. I think I think we'll get there. Um, okay. The prob and I think the problem is, well, I mean, the problem is is that without the theaters. Studios, I don't think, are going to make the money mm-hmm. that they normally would have, which means that they're not going to put the money in to the type of projects that we want to see. So if if we're going to be watching at home, we're going to be play, paying a premium for it. Yeah, but movie movie budgets are so fucking inflated anyway. They, <laughs> they need to come down. Now, granted, at the same time, for someone who kind of works in the video industry, I want everybody to get paid. But the thing is, like, 
they're not paying the regular Joes any extra money. It's all the big stars and the pr- big producers that are making more money than everybody else. Yeah. But whatever. Uh, but you're right. You very much, you very well might be right on just how long it might be. Uh, one other thing I wanted to mention about Tia Russell, the first thing when I was talking to you, John, about casting, I was like, yeah, we're going to cast uh, John Cannon. We're going to cast Jennifer Gray's character. We're going to and you were like, yeah, Jennifer Gray's not in this movie. I'm like, what? <laughs> That's that's not the that's not the niece. <laughs> like she does she she has that Ferris Bueller Jennifer Gray look. She has me. that attitude. Yeah, she I definitely don't think, got the tude. I don't think she looks anything like her. A little bit. A little <laughs> bit like her. Uh but yeah, you're right. The tude is there for sure. So. Uh Maisie Russell, uh the youngest or not the uh, not the youngest, the middle child of the uh, or is she? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I can't remember. I never I I, I I, I forget. I could never get a sense of who was older and who was younger of the two kids. I th- you know what? I think Maisie is youngest, and then I think Miles is the middle. Okay. Um, but Maisie is played by Gabby Hoffman. She's been in actually quite a bit of uh, really good projects. Mm-hmm. Field of Dreams comes right off the mo- off the head. Of, uh, now and Then is another movie that was pretty very nostalgic for people. And more recently, she has been in the show Transparent, which actually I quite like, which is an Amazon oh. original. Um, she's really good in that. Uh, Miles Russell is played by Macaulay Culkin, uh, who later in the 90s goes on to play Home Alone, uh, to be on My Girl, to be the good son. Um, Macaulay Culkin was the it child of the 90s. Mm -hmm. So uh, Shanice is played by Amy Madigan, who also was in Field of Dreams. She played uh, Kevin Costner's uh, wife in that one. She was also in the show Carnival. Uh, She's been in Gone Baby Gone. A lot of stuff, you know, characters. She she didn't end up having like a huge career, but she's just, she's got one of those faces that you kind of, (laughs) you recognize immediately. Yeah, yeah. And then Marcy, Marcy, uh, is played by Laurie Metcalf, who uh, most people I think know from the show Roseanne. She mm-hmm. played Roseanne's sister, uh, but she also was in Big Bang Theory. She played uh, Sheldon, Sheldon's mother in Big Bang Theory, and she was the voice of Andy's mom in the uh, entire Toy Story franchise. Yeah. So she's got a – you kind of look back and be like, damn, she's in a lot of good stuff, like big stuff. Oh, yeah. So. She pops up a lot from time to time in things I see, and I'm always happy to yeah. see her because she always puts on a, a good performance no matter what she's doing. Agreed. And, she's yeah, she is good with comedic stuff Yeah, a lot. I like that a lot, so – uh, and then the last thing I want to mention before we actually get into the breakdown, uh, this film grossed, hey, speaking of budgets, John, <laughs> this film grossed $79.2 million and it only cost $15 million to make. So sometimes all you need is like a John Candy, put him in there and you're going to have, and maybe some big ass pancakes and you're good to go. <laughs> <laughs> I wonder you- how much of that budget went to the pancakes. <laughs> I agree. Yeah. But I mean. You know, all you need is sometimes just a good story and some good acting, and you don't need inflated special effects. Special effects. And nowadays, they put everything on green screen. You know, sometimes people, <laughs> characters are just walking down the street, and it's fucking green screen. And it's just like, I mean, sometimes it, I mean, it's good enough that you can't tell, but it's like, why are you doing that? Right. I mean, I guess I get it. It's because that way, when you're filming inside, you don't have to worry about filming outside. You don't have to worry about sound. You don't have to worry about, uh, you know. Uh, lighting, you know, yeah, all that kind of stuff. You can you can control everything. So I guess I get it, but it still, you know, costs a, costs more money. I think. Yeah. All right. Let's stop. I'll stop my ranting. Time to talk <laughs> our breakdown of Uncle Buck. All right. We start off. We meet Tia. Uh, she comes. You know, she comes home to the. It's kind of classic upper middle class Chicago suburb that we've seen in multiple Johns Hughes. Yeah. 
films. I mean, it's like I'm it wa- is copy paste. I'm wondering if all these people like all live in the same neighborhood. <laughs> it look exactly. It does seem like yeah, it's like one street that all of these people. There's two Macaulay Culkins on this one street. Uh, you know, one of them, you know, being the McAllisters, right, uh, from Home Alone. One of them being the Russells. Uh, but then also Ferris Bueller probably is their neighbor, and right. they all look the same. And then and then Sixteen Candles family is around here too. Yep. Um, so uh, we also meet Maisie and Miles as they get home. Uh, immediately we see Tia is this angsty older sister. Uh, she's she kind of off the cuff kind of mentions that she's upset that they recently moved or they moved away from some other spot that never really kind of comes back. It's just it's just a little, I guess, adds to her shit that she she talks so harsh to her mother. <laughs> Holy shit. Like, I feel like if we talked that badly to our mother, we would have gotten popped. Oh, yeah. I mean, if we, if we talked that bad to our dad, he would have thumped us now. And anyways, <laughs> I don't know. If, I don't know if you thump your kids. Um, but we got we got thumped every now and then. it was rare. Yeah. But what which I know, think it, I think added you know. to um the severity of it. Yeah. And it wasn't it wasn't the thing. We didn't really get spanked. Um I don't remember getting spanked all that much. Uh but dad would thump us only if we were like being particularly annoying or you know, did something real bad. Yeah. And the thumping was he would basically just take his you know, he'd he'd flick you, he'd just take your take his finger, like and just flick you right on your right on your forehead yeah. and it just shut you up. It was just like, oh <laughs> So, well, first you got the look. If the look didn't do it, then you got the thump. Yeah. So, uh, you know, let us know how your parents have, you know, hit y'all. I'm curious. <laughs> did, 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 did other people get thumped? Did other people do spanking? Was there other stuff? I'm just curious how, how we were all, uh, you know. Disciplined. Yeah. Disciplined and scarred <laughs> when we were younger. We also get, let's see. Uh, we see Tia. Tia being just a little bitch. She's just a bitch early on. Uh, to her younger siblings, she uh, says the line, or I, I, I love how Macaulay Culkin responds when um, Tia grabs him, uh, Miles, and he's like, Your nails are digging to my arm, god damn Pick it. Pick it up. Your nails are digging to my arm, god damn it. <laughs> His, I can totally see why John Hughes like saw that, saw Macaulay Culkin and was like, yeah, you're, I'm, I'm bringing you back for, for Home Alone. Uh, he has, he has good, Timing, good, just just good responses. The way yeah. the way he he uh, inflection is really good. Uh, the dog is in the dryer for some reason. I wrote that down, and I still don't know. I don't even know why I needed to mention it, but that was weird. Apparently, pets like to hide in the washer and dryer. Yeah, I guess so. Uh, doesn't sound <laughs> dangerous at all. Let us know if your parents put you in the dryer uh, for <laughs> discipline. <laughs> so, uh, at dinner, we see Tia being just sarcastic and mean to her parents. Um, just overall seeing that contentious relationship between uh, particularly her and her mother, her and everyone. Uh, we then cut to Buck and Shanice, and we find out just, you know, getting a little bit of that exposition about him. He's about to start work for her. Um, you know, they've been dating. She's trying to help him out with his job. He's obviously not very reliable. Um, she kind of wants to start a family. Buck, not so much. He's a lone wolf, this, yeah. this Buck, if you will. Ever the Bachelor. Ever the Bachelor. You know, back in the day, I kind of fancied myself an Uncle Buck. Uh, <laughs> back when I was a bachelor and you had your kids, and I, you know, I could kind of pretend um, that I was Uncle Buck esque. I never, I never did make your kids pancakes. I go back to the pancakes. I'm excited <laughs> for that scene, <laughs> but that's like one of the scenes that just pops out. I, uh, you know what? I gotta remember that, John. I am gonna make your kid like your kids snowplow size pancakes. <laughs> I've right. got to. Right. I'll, I'll figure out how to set up a gr- giant griddle for you. Perfect. All right. 
we just you know we're just kind of seeing that that uh, learning a bit about that character, how he is yeah, he's the ever bachelor, the the bum mm-hmm. kind of if you will, um, and she's just she's not believing. You know, she's trying to give him this job, but she's at the same time she loves him, but she just she's not sure that you know he's going to go to work and he's just going to make some excuse like like he always does. Uh, that night, the Russell parents get a call that the mother's dad had a heart attack. And so now they're, you know, trying to figure out who can watch the kids. Um, you know, how are they going to make this work? Part of me is like, uh, you have like a 16 year old kid. Why can't she watch the others? I feel like at 16, that's prime babysitting age, right? Yeah. So it's like, can't she just watch the others and you're good to go? (laughs) That's what I would have done. But I'm also not a parent, John. What what were your thoughts on this? I don't know. I mean, it's hard to say because, I mean, Tia does not seem interested in being responsible for the kids. True. So I, you know, I don't think the mother could trust her to, to not like go out with her friends and just leave the kids home, you know, by themselves. Yeah. And you know, that's probably the reason why is, you know, we had that time set up where we see how contentious it is between Tia and the mother and the father and just how she is. Yeah. She's, she's not reliable in a different way because she's so selfish Mm -hmm. right now. Okay. Fair enough. Uh, but, you know, after going through a couple different ideas, they're stuck with Buck. We then cut to him waking up in a haze for the phone call, and he agrees to watching the kids. And so, of course, he has got to call Shanice, who of immediately is like, yep, yep, of course, I know you're not showing up for work, that kind of bullshit. <laughs> I, I do want to call out, during this phone call, I adore John Candy's one-sided responses. Just let... Get, no, but you don't... Would you just let me, give me, let me get the, let me get, you're not, give me a, oh. He does such a good job of, you don't, you do not need to hear Shanice. And I'm glad they didn't even put in like, you know, a very muffled, right. like, you know, just that little bit of a sound of her kind of, you know, yelling at him because all you want is his responses. He does a great job. Yeah. <laughs> you know, he heads over to their place. I love that while he's driving, he's trying to remember the kids' names. He's trying to remember the kids' ages, and he's just way off. <laughs> now, that being said, I, 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 I've never forgotten your kids' names, but every now and then, I, d- I definitely forget the, the ages of your kids. And I'm, but I'm usually only off by like one year. <laughs> That's okay. But it happens. I forget the yeah. ages of my kids sometimes. Uh, <laughs> there you go. Well, it keeps changing. Damn it. I know. <laughs> I mean, every year it changes. Oh, Jeez, that's so annoying. Uh, I also love he comes to the wrong house uh, across the street. He got the address wrong, and he's causing a small little ruckus, <laughs> uh, waking up the neighbors until his brother sees him across the yard and yells, and then he gets over. You know, he has a very awkward interaction with the uh, the mother, with his brother, his sister in law. Uh, he mentions, "Hey, I, I stopped smoking cigarettes." Oh, good. Isn't that something? <laughs> I'm on to cigars now. Yeah, I'm on to a five-year plan. I eliminated the cigarettes, then I go to cigars, then I go to pipes, then I go to chewing tobacco, then I'm on to that nicotine gum. <laughs> <laughs> little shit like that. Really good dialogue that we see throughout the film, just little things peppered in. Um, and I do like her facial reactions. Like, every time he says something, like, oh, yeah, no, that's all right. I'm, I'm, you know, no, I'm just, I'm just gambling once a week now, or whatever the heck he, you know, little things he says. And she's just like, Oh my God, my kids are going to die. Like She's like, every step, she's just a little bit closer to tears. You can just, yes. you can just see it. 
Yeah, she does a good job. Uh, she, I also love that she leaves him some checks. Uh, and he's like, no, 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 I've got, you know, money. Uh, you know, no big deal. And then she's like, are you sure? He's like, well, you might as well leave the checks. Uh, you know, <laughs> and then he starts asking weird questions about, well, do you have a plunger? Um, you know, how, how's your cheese situation? <laughs> Things like that. That is, again, yes, little by little, she's losing all confidence. Not that she ever had any confidence in Uncle Buck, uh, you know, watching the kids. Would you would you let me watch your kids, John? Like, over, you know, yeah. over, over a week? Yes. I'm responsible. <laughs> <laughs> I think I'd do okay. That's where I'm making the fucking pancakes. <laughs> it's going to happen. Now, granted, I do not wish uh, your wife's dad to have a heart attack, and then I, I come over to watch your kids. Of course, that wouldn't really make any sense because I live all the way across the country, and you guys have other family in the area to watch. And My father-in-law lives in the same town as me. So, so why would you leave? Yeah. Damn it. So the, I, I almost have no opportunity for a real Uncle Buck situation no. to happen. <sighs> Got to figure out how to make this happen, John. You're gonna have to move to Vegas. That's how. That's how it is. If Vegas had a job for me, I would. So. I'm sure Vegas has a job for you. You just may well, not want the job. A high-paying job. There yeah. you go. Uh, all right. So we also get a little thing. We find out Miles's birthday is coming up. Just kind of like an FYI. FYI, pancakes are coming. Uh, and <laughs> I don't know why I'm so stuck on these things, John. <laughs> but it is. It's a very nostalgic moment for me. Of course. Um, I do love. He's just got uh, so. The parents leave, and Buck's just kind of walking around the house, and he accidentally drops this plate, and it it, it doesn't break at all. And it's like, oh, wow, indestructible. He kind of taps it against like the the piano or something like that, and it just shatters yeah. immediately. Unbreakable. Uh, in the morning, Buck is making breakfast. It looks like a weird kind of hash that he's putting together. Tia comes down, of course, immediately bitchy, and she just wants coffee. Of course, she only wants coffee. She's an <laughs> angsty teen. That's what they drink. Did you ever drink coffee as a kid? No, I can't stand coffee. I'm with you. I don't like it. It's 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 honestly, it's like the taste of poo. <laughs> I don't. I do not enjoy it. Yeah, I don't either. Yeah. So no, no goose. I, I'm a Coke guy. I like sweet things. You know. Yeah, I do I'm too. sweet. I like sweet other sweet things. So. I uh, I have not had a soda in probably five or six years. Yeah, I know like the carbonated things uh, you can't. I really don't drink do anymore. anything carbonated anymore. So my my sweet vice has gone to like uh, sports drinks, like Powerade. Oh uh, yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah, you are you are a like a Powerade zero, zero fiend. Yep. Fair enough. I mean, I still I'm a Coke fiend. I've been a Coke fiend for years, and um, I'm not talking about the soda. <laughs> 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 anyway, so yeah, she's giving Buck a hard time again. Another great. Macaulay Culkin delivery when he comes down and he sees Buck and he's just like, oh, who are you? Who are you? <laughs> he just kind of, he just kind of like shakes his whole body and like in, in, uh, surprise of whoever this dude is. Uh, Miles then gives Buck this whole great little shakedown with a mm-hmm. bunch of questions. Where do you live? In the city. Do you have a house? Apartment. On a rent? Rent. What do you do for a living? Lots of things. Where's your office? I don't have one. How come? I don't need one. Where's your wife? Don't have one. How come? It's a long story. Do you have kids? No, I don't. How come? It's an even longer story. Are you my dad's brother? What's your record for consecutive questions asked? 38. I'm your dad's brother, all right. You have much more hair on your nose than my dad. How nice of you to notice. I'm a kid. That's my job. I always enjoy that scene. Again, just like the dialogue, uh, and I'd say the the acting, is, particularly the kid acting, is, is very strong in this film. Uh, you know, especially, you know, they're able to hold their own mm-hmm. when you put them in scenes with John Candy, and I think that's really, really telling as to why this film 
is so nostalgic for a lot of people. Mm-hmm. Uh, Buck drops off Tia at school. We get some great music. I love anytime like Buck is driving his car, <laughs> like they always have this great music behind it. <laughs> it's just good stuff. Uh, the car backfires and everybody gets freaked out. That's that's gonna be just a thing that kind of keeps coming back with his car, kind of like a oh shit, Buck's here kind of thing. <laughs> um, and I do love he doesn't take shit from Tia. Yeah, obviously the mother has taken a lot of shit and just accepts it or tries to ignore it or something. Right. But Buck doesn't do that. He The Buck stops with Buck. <laughs> <laughs> Lame. But he immediately pushes back on her and is like, oh, you think that's bad? I'm going to do this. And so uh, I, I always appreciate that. And kind of when she go, you know, leaves for school, he asks Miles and Maisie, you think she hates me? They're like, with the passion. <laughs> and I, another extra little line I love. He says, do you think it's this hat? A lot of people hate this hat. And I'm like, where did that come from? But that's just funny. That's just good, funny dialogue. So uh, Buck and Shanice talk over the phone. We just see that their relationship is strained uh, at school. We see what Buck packs Miles for lunch. A lot of weird stuff <laughs> that he packs him. And a, a fun little school moment where miles looks around he's like would any of you like to be uh, possible for a lunch trade and all the kids scatter yeah i like i like uh, I, I like how he does that seeing except one thing slightly bothers me and it's just a stupid nitpicky thing so you get the thing where he goes does anyone want to talk about a trade and then you go to a great overhead shot and see all four scatter but like they scatter so far that you're like <laughs> is this it looks like they're the only ones in the room. <laughs> yeah, it, cafeterias would be a lot closer. Yeah. Uh, the chairs, they would have hit somebody. Yes. And that's what bothers you? <laughs> yeah, kind of. Also, that's I've, a very, I, yeah. I, I, I guess I've never been to an elementary school that had chairs. They all have benches. Really? I, I don't know. I don't remember. I, I feel like mine had chairs, but I do not no, remember. I'm pretty sure ours had benches. Well, I went to three different elementary schools. Thank you very much. Okay, fine. <laughs> three? I have no idea. Yeah, uh, Cumming Elementary, Dalvin Elementary, and Northwood Elementary. Uh, just for fifth fifth grade, uh, I got rezoned to oh, Northwood. Okay, and it was I was the you know I was the first fifth grade group. But that was you it, know so. it, it is weird to think. And sorry for this weird diatribe. But uh, aside from us all going to the same college, the only school that this that all three of us you know you and our me and our sister. That yeah. we went through all the grades at the you know at the same school was the middle school. Yeah, Hainsbridge. That was yeah. it. That's the only one. Yeah. You're right because you went to a different high school than me and Abby did, and we I, and I can't even remember where Abby went to middle school. I mean, she wants to gone to Cumming and then Dolphin. No, or she was out. She was probably out of kindergarten when we moved to uh, uh, when we moved to Alpharetta. Well, I was in. I went to sixth grade in Cumming. Oh, okay. no. I guess I didn't you go did. to Hainsbridge. I only went to Hainsbridge for seven and eight. That's Never right. mind. You went to Otwell. You went to Otwell in the middle school. So yes. UGA is the only <laughs> place where we went through all of yep. our schools together. Wow. Or all of our school, all of the grades. Yeah. Fully. Interesting. I totally forgot about Otwell. <laughs> oh, well. Uh, nobody. Oh, man. Uh, that one person. You know what? There's not even going to be one person who listens to our show who knows <laughs> Otwell Middle School or Hainsbridge Middle School or right. Coming Elementary or whatnot. But you know what? Whatever. Yeah. That's the fun things of listening to the Blast From Our Past podcast. You never know what you're going to get. Because it's our past. <laughs> exactly. So, all right. Uh, when picking up 
Tia from school. We meet Bug. Ugh. God, what a, cannot stand Bug. They cast him really well. I um I can't even remember uh, who the actor was, but he was such a hipster, like a <laughs> God. Just a just. A, I wanted to punch him in the face. Like the way he dressed, I I totally expected him to have like a set of bongos with him. Yes, uh, exactly. Yeah, I mean, uh, yeah, nowadays it would have been avocado toast. Yeah. Um, but back, but back then. Uh, and his name is Jay Underwood, and he's been in a couple different things. But like for me, yeah, Bug is is the, what I'll always remember him. I do like you know he's got a nice little you know another backfiring of the car, and he talks to Buck. You ever hear of a tuna? <laughs> uh, and then Buck responds. <laughs> you ever hear of a ritual killing? <laughs> I don't get it. You know, on her face in public like that again, and you'll be one. <laughs> Uh, so again, he's just—he's very protective mm-hmm. of his uh, nieces and nephew. He—he's also not afraid of confrontation, which is, I think, the big difference between him and probably his brother and his sister-in-law. Yeah, yeah, you're right. You know what? He is not at all, and that's fun. I appreciate that. I and I've always between the two of us, I've always been the more confrontational person. I feel yes, yeah, without question. <laughs> Because I'm the I usually am the one who brings up, well, this fucking sucks. I hate this. And you're just like, ugh, eye roll. <laughs> you're like, Adam, can we just talk about the movie? And I'm like, no, <laughs> I'm going to talk about this. So I can't remember. Is Buck Buck's the older brother in this one, though, isn't he? I'm pretty sure. Yeah, pretty sure. At night, we see Miles doing the dishes to some uh, awesome music. Um, Buck pleading with Maisie, just kind of she wants to, you know, uh, snuggle and, and sleep in, in his bed. You know, some kids kids like to sleep in the bed with you. I know I know your kids uh, sometimes, you know, want to join the parents in bed and things like that. Yes, of which I pretty much effectively stopped. I put my foot down. Oh yeah, but it, I mean, but it was a thing for a while, I imagine. Well, the next scene that comes up is pretty much the reason why I put my foot down. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, all right, but but before we get to that. The mother calls and Miles answers, uh, but Tia also answers at the same time. And so when he goes over to try and, or when Miles tries to go get Buck, uh, she starts just talking shit about him. Mm-hmm. Um, she's just, again, Tia's trying to stir things up. And here, Buck on the phone asks a couple, like, oh, random questions that, again, kind of disturb the mother. <laughs> she's just, to me, she's super neurotic. Yeah. Uh, this lady, it's funny. Uh, and then the scene that you were talking about, the song Mr. Sandman plays, and we see both Maisie and Miles in bed with Buck, and he is just constantly getting moved around, uh, and, and eventually he just starts sleeping on the floor. And then, of course, they then move to the floor <laughs> and sleep with him and the dog down there. It's it's cute. It is cute. Yeah. But also why I do not allow my children to sleep in the bed <laughs> yeah. at all. Fair enough. If, if, that is, if the exception is if... Um... And this is very rare, but like if my wife is out of town or something, okay. and because I mean we have we've got a king size bed, so that you know that's fine. I can probably you know, but if both my wife and I are home, even just the little, even just having my daughter, who's the littlest one, in, I get no sleep because I just get pushed to the edge. <laughs> yeah, I can't stand. I, I'm we have a king size bed as well, which has been maybe one of the greatest things for any marriage. Oh God, it's a relationship saver. Yeah. Um. I sleep. I don't want to be touched. Yeah, don't touch me. I'm the same Leave way. Me alone. Also, I don't like the top sheet, and so I constantly 
I, I kind of even like build a barrier with the top sheet. I kind of she 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 Keisha loves a made bed, so the our bed gets made like every day, and, and I'm like, why the fuck is it made every day? You're just gonna <laughs> no, sleep in it. No again. one's gonna see it. Exactly. Um, all I like, I just like you know like the regular fitted sheet, and then I, I like the comforter. I don't like a top sheet, yeah, because uh, I like to be a little bit cooler. But Keisha makes the bed, and she always I, – I ask her, why not double up the top sheet on your side? And so – and she's like, I don't want t- twice the top sheet. <laughs> and so so every night, every fucking night, I have to kick the top sheet kind of into the middle, and I kind of create this little like – you know, like a barrier, uh, you know, like you would get from like a lunch tray or something like that that separates the two of us. And so like if she ever kind of shifts over too much, uh, you know, her, her legs get over, I have – barrier so i don't have to touch her um i, I love my wife <laughs> no i get but it i, get I just it. i i i i need to be cool right and, and being near another person's body heat just wrecks me here i don't i cannot sleep here's what you do go buy a new set of sheets but only buy the twin size top sheet top, yeah. and just put it on so her side doing. of the bed that's exactly what i, I mean she would she'd flip her shit because <laughs> <laughs> then it wouldn't look good uh and that would just be stupid. for who i know are you all filming over there Mm, we're not not filming <laughs> you, you you do what you got to do to make a couple side bucks you know in this world uh, you okay? know what if 2020 anything goes and not and i can tell you in not, there nothing. anything goes john <laughs> <laughs> uh, right anyway <laughs> i'm so boring uh all right uh the next day marcy comes over and we meet her we see Buck, who is having some issues with the washing machine. Uh, she, Marcy, thinks nefarious things are going on, um, you know, as he's talking shit to the machine. And then the dog licks her butt, uh, and she screams. <laughs> and that's kind of how we meet her. But that's how uh, her and Uncle Buck meet. And she's a strange cat, that Marcy. <laughs> she's, I guess... Uh, she's a horny housewife. She is a horny housewife who... Uh, it sounds like she, maybe she, she probably got divorced, mm-hmm. and she lives in a that nice-ass neighborhood. But yeah, she is. That's exactly her. She she's the she's the woman who got she got half the money and the house in the divorce, and mm-hmm. doesn't isn't working because she wasn't working before. Yeah, and that's fine. But ugh, she's not a nice person. No, and yeah, she's very she, she's the kind of person who would spread a lot of drama and gossip and all that kind of oh, stuff. Yeah, because she's bored. Yeah, yeah, true. At night, uh, we see. Tia by a window. Um, Miles comes over. I love his line. Waiting for your sex. Waiting for your sex. <laughs> so that's exactly <laughs> what he asks her. <laughs> Just like, oh man, God, that kid's great. But Buck is taking them all out bowling, uh, which obviously Tia doesn't want to do. But too bad, you're not going to beat Buck. He's gonna, he's gonna, he's gonna outwit you, or outgross you, or out mm-hmm. whatever. So they go bowling, and we see this skeezy guy named Pal who's trying to hit on Tia. Uh, again, she's either like a 15 or 16-year-old. I do love, and I and I do this every now and then. Uh, he's playing with a toothpick in his <laughs> mouth, and he's flipping yeah. it like, kind of up and around. And at one point, he gets it stuck. Yep. Um, but I, I do that with my toothpick uh, every now. I kind of do that flip. Just to try and get, and I don't have a huge mouth, so sometimes it does kind of get stuck. But, <laughs> but uh, my my wife hates it when I do that because she thinks I'm gonna like puncture <laughs> through my mouth. But I always I always thought it was impressive. Yeah. Oh when yeah. He did that? I think so too. Um, I also love Maisie is rolling uh, her ball and it goes all the way down and it stops at the it, it touches the first pin and it doesn't have enough power and it just stops there. 
which it's, I don't think you could ever actually replicate. I yeah, I exactly. I don't think that's possible, yeah. but it's it's super cute yeah. is what it is. And then Buck goes over to Tia's rescue, kicks Pal out uh, pretty quickly. Again, confrontational, mm-hmm. or other people wouldn't be. We also meet his other friend Roger, who looked exactly like a young Stevie Ray Vaughan to me. Doesn't he? Do yeah, you? a little bit. He's got he's got some of the, like, if he didn't have a lot of that flair as yeah. Stevie Vaughan, if he had a bowling shirt right. instead, um, <laughs> he kind of had that look instead of a poncho. Exactly, instead of a poncho and a big cowboy hat and all the cocaine. Oh, um, well, maybe some of the cocaine. It's probably there's uh, yeah, probably yeah there's probably some of the cocaine. None, <laughs> none of the cocaine. talent though. Yeah, no. Tia learns about Shanice just from Roger and Buck talking, and that's something that she's obviously going to try and use uh, against Buck in the future. And uh, Buck goes to chat with uh, Roger about gambling in the future. And this is apparently how Buck makes his money. Mm-hmm. Uh, so he kind of finds either fixed races or whatever, trying to, you know, that that's that's how he does his thing. Uh, that's the one thing that I don't do like Buck. I mean, I feel like I'm pretty Uncle Buckish, but I'm not a big gambler like that. Mm-hmm. That's just not my style. I suck at gambling. It's just I've never been good at it. Yeah, I'm like I'm I, when it comes to gambling, I'm probably about even. Okay, that's not bad. But uh, yeah, you know, but you know, like I know you you understand like the the roulette and like the uh, the other stuff a lot better than I do. I'm pretty sure. Uh, most of those games are not terribly hard to learn, especially roulette. Okay. Roulette's really really easy to learn. So pick a, pick a number and hope it <laughs> lands. Yes, I mean you can. Yeah. There's other little things that you can or crap do. craps or something like that one. I oh I craps is super confusing to me. Uh, you know craps is not that bad actually. I kind of forgotten how to play craps. You know who taught me how to play craps? Our cousin Matt. Oh really? Yeah. Okay. Oh, because he did. He lived out in Vegas. Yeah, for he a lived while. with us actually for yeah. for a year or two, and uh, he had he had one of his, his favorite spots to go to that had a really cheap craps game. Because mm-hmm. um, if you go to the casinos, you're going to be the minimum on a craps game. You're probably going to be putting down fifteen dollars every time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but he found one that had like a five dollar minimum, like you know, kind of like a truck stop casino area. Yeah. So we would go there from time to time and take like twenty bucks and spend like an hour just playing craps and and blackjack and stuff like that. Okay, uh, that's cool. It was fun. Nice. Um, all right, so we uh, Tia, we see Tia kind of pressing about Shanice again, showing that you know she's now she's got a card to play in the future. Uh, we cut to Buck using a snow shovel to <laughs> flip a pancake. <laughs> this is the scene, John. This is the scene everyone thinks of when they think of Uncle Buck. Yes, it's Miles's birthday. He comes down. There's this huge stack of pancakes. And Uncle Buck's there, and we yeah he he flipped that big ass pancake. I mean, those things are awesomely monstrous. Yeah, and what looks like about a pound of butter sitting yeah. on top. Yes, it's just I mean that's just a dream. Like exactly every kid I think who saw Uncle Buck honed in on that. Mm-hmm. Now granted, there looked like there was like confetti and streamers everywhere that might have gotten into the pancake. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. but besides that, it just that looked like fun, man. And I I, I have gotten some big ass pancakes before. But nothing like that. Yeah. So my kids. So I did watch this movie with my kids. Um, uh huh. And uh, was it their first time? Yeah, their first time watching the movie. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. Okay. I I don't remember. One of them was like, "When do we get giant pancakes?" There you go. It's when Uncle Adam comes to town. That's right. <laughs> it's gonna happen. I'm not. It's making gonna it. happen, kids. Uh, then we see there's a part. Of, we're at a party for Miles, and it's a lame looking party. Uh, I guess uh, you know Miles's mom set everything up. She also ordered a clown who shows up very drunk. Mm-hmm. 
And that clown is played by Mike Starr, who we actually talked about. He was one of the teachers in the film Lean on Me. He was the guy who uh, Morgan Freeman appointed the new head football coach over Darnell, I think was his name. Yeah. Yeah, he was also in Dumb and Dumber. He's the guy who dies by rat poison. The one who has to sit through the most annoying sound in the world. Yes, exactly. (laughs) That guy. So he plays the clown in Uncle Buck. Um, Buck calls him out. And I love the clown's response of, you know, while he's kind of getting berated by Buck. He says, I don't have to take any shit from you. You know who I am? In the field of local live home entertainment. Oh, my God. (laughs) I always love that line. (laughs) Uh, But Buck kicks his ass, punches him a couple times. Again, confrontational. You're not going to fuck with Buck. Nope. Don't fuck with Buck. <laughs> the Buck stops with bu- stops with Buck fucking? <laughs> buck fuck. <laughs> I don't know. You're, you're trying too hard. I am trying way too hard. All right. Uh, then we cut to some awesome, like, kind of funk, chill music that's going while Tina, or not Tina, Tia is out with Bug, and he's pressuring her pretty heavily for sex, but Buck I guess somehow finds out where she's at and, you know, whatever. And he and the kids show up and we hear obviously that big backfire. He uh, checks on her and just another kind of good classic scene. I feel where he he's bringing up bearing the hatchet with bug. He then uh, goes and gets his hatchet. You know, it's not it's you don't use it to kill. You know, you did just to maim. Right. He's he's so good with it. He could circumcise a gnat. Wait a minute. Gnat. Bug. Huh. <laughs> Little things. I mean, it's just uh, he you you can't you can't top him. Yeah. He is he, you can't beat him. You can't beat the buck. He's going to go one further every time. Every time. Um so Tia does end up going back with them, but not before she puts this big kiss on Bug uh just to kind of piss off Buck. Yep. So. Uh then we get uh Tone Loke's wild thing plays. As uh, Buck enters the school, uh, kind of funny little scene where he has to go to the bathroom and use those tiny urinals in in the bathroom. Just funny. Um, and here, another absolute classic scene where he has to talk to uh, one of the assistant principals and who has this. <laughs> I don't know if it was fake or if they cast uh, a lady who had an unfortunate super large wart on her face right. or whatever. But he can't get it out of his head, so he calls himself Buck Melanoma Moly Russell's Wart, <laughs> which is obviously he's Buck Russell, uh, classic. you know, Maisie Russell's uncle. Ward yeah. or uncle or whatever. Ward. Maybe yeah. Ward. Yeah, Ward's probably what he was trying to say. But uh, so he can't he cannot get over it. She calls Maisie a bad egg. And I love that she's a dreamer. She's a fiddler or whatever. And I love that his his defense is like. I don't think I want to know a six-year-old who isn't a dreamer or a silly heart. And I sure don't want to know one who takes their student career seriously. I don't have a college degree. I don't even have a job. But I know a good kid when I see one. Because they're all good kids. Until dried out, brain-dead skags like you drag them down and convince them they're no good. You so much as scowl at my niece or any other kid in this school and I hear about it and I'm coming looking for you. Take this quarter, go downtown, and have a rat gnaw that thing off your face. Good day to you, madam. Just a fucking great scene. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Again, you can't beat him. He's going to one-up. He's, he's, he's going to 
out confrontational you. Yeah. We also get a weird scene of Maisie uh, at school just kind of talking about her uncle microwaving her socks. (laughs) I will say, so that was actually kind of in between while Uncle Buck was berating kind of firing back at the at the assistant principal yeah. and i'm almost dead certain that that weird scene about literally it is a unnecessary scene of Maisie talking about her socks being microwaved mm-hmm. i'm almost dead certain that that one is cut from the tv versions because i when i was watching it i was like i don't remember this this is kind of strange but i think it's cut because in my opinion it really hurts the flow of uncle buck kind of retorting to the assistant principal because you go immediately from retorting to her and then this unnecessary scene and then right back to Buck still kind of laying it in and doing the coin thing. Uh, so I, I personally didn't like it there um, in, in on my DVD version. I thought it was meant to, um, to kind of show how she is in class because up until that point, we don't see anything and, True. and, to, and to, to, I guess I think it's to give us context as to how she is in class. Having yeah. having worked with kids that age, they all make up crazy stories like that. All yeah. of them do. The teacher, though, like heavily over overacts. You know. Well, it, I maybe she, maybe they're in a uh, I don't know, maybe they're in a Catholic school or something. Because I mean, yeah. he doesn't he he screams like blasphemer or blasphemer. Yes, blasphemer. Yeah, yeah. It, it was it was over the top. Oh, yeah. It was weird. But you're right. You're, that's probably what it was meant to do. That makes sense. Probably jo- probably John Hughes's experience. <laughs> As a kid, yeah, could be, yeah, very much so. So, uh, Shanice listens to a message from Buck. We just kind of see that he still misses her. You know, that relationship is still a thing. Uh, we then get a funny scene uh, about Buck bringing in a cat, and then to hear Miles's voice, "We don't have a cat." <laughs> it's like, <laughs> God damn it, Buck! You've been there for days. Yeah. You don't. You're, you're still kind of a doofus. Uh, Shanice then calls, but Tia answers the phone. And so she uses this opportunity to fuck with Buck's life a little bit, um, telling her that Buck has been spending a lot of time with this neighbor woman, Marcy and, and whatnot. So the next day we see Buck doing laundry in a very unconventional way. Obviously he had issues with the washer earlier, so that's probably why he's doing laundry so strange. But Marcy comes over and they kind of, there's some, she starts flirting with him. They kind of, she does like a little dancing with him Mm -hmm. Uh, but Shanice comes over at the worst time and sees it and so now she's pissed at him and she leaves that night Tia wants to go out but Buck doesn't allow it Tia insinuates that you know that she is kind of screwing with his life obviously trying to get back at him Mm -hmm. and we kind of see later that Buck you know he's he's actually kind of drinking by himself he's kind of reflecting on his life um, and kind of trying to decide if he needs to go that he needs to go to the track Tomorrow he needs to. He's got that big score coming up, mm-hmm. and this is how he makes he makes some money. Um, so he's kind of having a, a little internal conflict. Do I do the the nice, the good thing, and not take kids to, <laughs> to a track with me, or do I say fuck it and I need to make my money? In the morning, Tia leaves uh, with Bug. She tells Miles and Maisie that she'll be back at like the end of the weekend. We get some more good funky music that plays, and Buck, you know, asks where she went. So now he is in that dilemma of does he take the kids to the track and it's the time to make his money or does he go and try and, you know, protect his niece Mm -hmm. from a bad situation that he's pretty sure she's going to get into. Buck ultimately decides to stop Tia from this big party that she's going to as opposed to taking to the track. So he is he is good in heart. I mean, that's Mm -hmm. something that we see throughout this film. Yes, he's unconventional, but 
all ultimately every one of his decisions is pretty much to try to do for the betterment of those kids. Yeah. He's not a bad person at all. Yeah. At all. Agreed. Because, you know, hell, even even he has like a, you know, he's been dating Shanice for seven years or something. He says that he's stringing her along. Mm -hmm. But like, you know, she's such a nice, well put together person Mm -hmm. that I feel if Buck was a legitimately bad person, Shanice would see through that shit. Yeah. So he calls Shanice to watch the kids. uh, And so that way he can go head over to the party to find Tia. Uh, So she does come over and a wonderful little scene where you see Miles through the mail slot, kind of berating her, (laughs) asking her for her driver's license, things like that. It's funny. Uh, We cut to Buck at this party. We see kind of Bug in the room with a girl getting some pressure. Uh, Buck gets there. There's a funny little scene, a little hat swap scene. I always like that where it's a tight party while he's going through. Somebody kind of grabs his hat, he grabs what he thinks is his, put it back on, and then later on he finds out. I don't know. I always appreciated the hat swap. I don't know why. We keep seeing Bug pressuring this person. And then eventually Buck uses a screwdriver and very intimidatingly busts open the door. But it's not Tia Mm -hmm. that Bug is pressuring. And that's the kind of little bait and switch. Yeah. Thing here um so buck leaves well he doesn't leave he was, <laughs> thinks about leaving and then he turns back around with a screwdriver in hand and heads towards bug <laughs> so he's gonna intimidate him into something a little torture yep you know what that's fine bug deserves it he's not past a little torture. bug does deserve it the way he was pressuring that person uh we actually see tia walking down the street alone buck finds her she admits that he was right about bug you know that he was just a bad person so the two of them have a little bonding moment as they drive back. Uh, but then we find out that Bug is in the trunk of his car. <laughs> so uh, and we kind of have a... I always never loved uh, Tia trying to be her quote-unquote evil laugh and whatnot. It was always kind of strange to me. But yeah. they intimidate him and leave him by the road. Uh, and then Buck hits golf balls at him. Yep. Which would really hurt. Oh, yeah. You know what, Bug? Still again... Bug deserves getting kidnapped and having golf balls hit at him, right, John? Uh, kind of, yeah. Kind of, yeah. So uh, later, Tia talks with Shanice, tries to repair their relationship, but uh, I love that Shanice hears Buck kind of <laughs> listening in, and she kicks the door. At first, he's able to to get away from it, and then he goes back into place. She kicks it again and knocks him on his ass, which is kind of funny. Uh, so we see that Buck and Shanice seem to be mended, Things are kind of wrapping up. The parents come back in the morning and, uh, you know, Buck has everyone stay away at first. So that way Tia and the mother can kind of have their embrace and start to see that their relationship. We get some very nice music that goes along with this scene. As they're starting to mend their thing, Tia hugs her. Um, Buck then ruins the moment by accidentally dropping this these pots and pans from the <laughs> that were hanging <laughs> and says he has a says a big old shit as everything falls apart. Shit! Uh, and then Buck and Shanice leave. You know, there everything seems to be back to, but not back to, better than normal. Yep. Um, their relationship is better than ever. Uh, Buck waves goodbye to Tia and the film ends. And then a song called Rhythm of Life by Hugh Harris plays.
not a song that I really <laughs> cared for yeah. and nothing that I recognized or anything. Yeah. So, so that is Uncle Buck. You mentioned John. Your kids saw this for the first time. Mm-hmm. I'd love to hear, you know, what you uh, asserted from them, what they thought, and then uh, your thoughts on Uncle Buck. What I took away from them watching is they loved a lot of the scenes with the kids, especially mm-hmm. Uncle Buck with the kids, um, and a few a few other ones. The sort of, you know, they didn't get much out of the relationship between Buck and Tia and Buck and Shanice mm-hmm. and all that stuff. That You know, it was sort of the a lot of the slap-happy comedy stuff stuff that they loved overall i think they enjoyed it i don't think they'll ever pick it out again maybe when they're older and they can sort of appreciate the movie as a whole they will but uh, i think i think um the first scene where i knew i at least had them a little bit was the the telephone scene with the what's oh yeah that one that because my for some reason my daughter thought that was hilarious. Okay, which it was. It yeah, was good. Which, I, which she's right. It was hilarious. So maybe if I wait, I don't know, three or four years, and then show it to them again, maybe they'll get a little bit more out of it. Mm-hmm. But overall, I don't think they hated the movie. I think they they had fun. Okay. Uh, for me, it's a classic. I really find nothing wrong with the movie. It's it's still funny. It still holds up. All of its themes still work. I I I still loved it. Um, I did too. Uh, this film holds up. It is a cute family flick. And you know what? I think it, that the way you put it is what makes a lot of, I think, John Hughes films work for multiple generations or work for one person over multiple generations because he has some of that, especially with Uncle Buck, there is a lot of that silliness um, or there's enough of that silliness to make it fun for a kid. Mm-hmm. You know, you get the the wart scene, that's funny. You get the big pancake scene, that's obviously super nostalgic and, you know, every kid wants something like that or, uh, you know, the scene that your daughter loved of the, the responding to the telephone. Yeah. There's enough of those cute ones to make it, okay, this is enjoyable for the kid, but you can go back and in five years, your kids might be like, you know what, I want to watch Uncle Buck again and be like, oh, now I understand a little bit more about that relationship. Yeah. And then after another five or ten years, they'll watch it again and be like, Oh, now I'm understanding more of the relationship between Buck and Shanice or mm-hmm. the daughter and the mother or, or or whatever. And so I think this is the kind of movie that kind of you get different aspects out of it as you age mm-hmm. and you get and you enjoy those different things into where you still you're I'm still nostalgic, obviously, about those damn pancakes, <laughs> probably because when I saw it as a kid, I wanted those fucking pancakes. They were so cool. <laughs> yeah. But then you watch it now and you you appreciate the dialogue. I really appreciate how quick, uh, you know, the, the Uncle Buck character kind of comes back with a lot of his retorts or, you know, his his over the top stuff. Mm-hmm. So this is this is the kind of film that it just, you know, it ages like a fine wine, <laughs> if you will. <laughs> Uncle Buck is a is a perfect Pinot Noir, you know, a bit subtle, yet crass at times. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> I don't know. It's it's just awesome. Uncle Buck is the kind of movie that you know we need more of. I agree. In these days, love me some Buck. Don't fuck with Buck. Buck fucking. <laughs> but I'm a good old Buck. Buck fucker. <laughs> there you go. I'm trying too hard again. A little bit. All right, now we are going to talk Camp Candy. This cartoon ran from 1989 to 1992. It had three seasons and 40 episodes. Um, 
John, have you ever seen or have you heard of Camp Candy before us, uh, before doing your prep? Yes, I was familiar with it. I I probably watched some episodes. It, you know, if if it fell in a lineup of, of cartoons I was watching on like a Saturday morning or, you know, mm-hmm. an afternoon or something like that, I probably just watched through it because the alternative was to watch something else because we didn't have as many channels but you know you know it wasn't like our parents who had like five channels when they were when they were growing up we had at least you know some basic cable we had like 40 channels yeah but that you know we didn't have we didn't really have like the cartoon network you know or stuff like that Mm -hmm. so wherever you could get the cartoons is where you would where you would get them uh and i had a very similar situation where I always knew about Camp Candy. I probably did see an episode or two when I was younger, um, but this wasn't one that I was hugely nostalgic for when I was younger. Mm-hmm. Agree. Yeah. So, uh, all right, talking about the cast, John Candy played himself. This is called a potter's wheel. First, we get it spinning like this. There you go. There you go. <laughs> then we plop on a glob of clay like this. <laughs> and you, oh boy, here we go. And you form it into a hollow shape. This is known as throwing a pot. Hey, you see the way I'm putting my hand? Whoa! Uh, but a fictional version of himself who is a camp counselor um, and who kind of runs this summer camp. The character of Nurse Molly is voiced by Valerie Bromfield. Oh, really, John? Oh, you don't have to go to such pains just to see me. She's had small parts in Animaniacs. She's been on SCTV. And this character was like a nurse who had a crush on John, uh, but she, but he never really seemed to take notice. Mm-hmm. That's kind of what part of their dynamic. The absolutely terribly named um, antagonist, uh, Rex DeForest III. <laughs> uh, and guess what? You know, they were, he wanted to, you know, do bad things to nature and stuff like that. <laughs> He was voiced by Louis Arquette. If they find this bird, they'll declare these woods a sanctuary, and I'll never be able to build my condos here. He's been in Little Nicky, Waiting for Guffman, The Waltons. That whole character was a guy who wanted to demolish Camp Candy in order to make way for a condominium place. So. Is he part of the Arquette family? I have zero clue. Okay. I will say yes. You know what? I'm just going to throw it out there. Yeah. he's he's He started the Arquette family, John. <laughs> From from the from the beginning, yeah, from the beginning, he is he's been around for a long. Okay, I have no yes, he <laughs> is the father of 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 the Arquettes. He <laughs> started the Arquette family, John. <laughs> Partly, okay, then good to know. Uh, the character of Chester was voiced by Danny Mann. Uh, let me guess, because I'm the only one who will put up with your withering insults and devastating put-downs? Uh, who's done voices on Babe, Balto, Up, Bobby's World, The Tick, tons of stuff. Uh, and this character was like a dim-witted kind of grease monkey who was employ- employed by uh, Rex DeForest III. Uh, by the way, Louis Arquette, he was not the first Arquette. Uh-huh. Louis Arquette's father was also an actor. Oh, wow. Okay. That is so cool. I had no idea that the Arquette family actually went that far back. Oh, yeah. Way back to probably the early 30s. Okay. Yeah. Or the Being 40s. In, in show business. Looks like cool. 40s, yeah. Very cool. The kid campers were voiced by the same people, uh, or sorry, were voiced by different people at different times, so I'm not going to really go over their voices. Uh, and then other names, people who lent their voice to the show, people we've talked about a hundred times each, Gary Chalk, Charlie Adler, Pat Fraley, uh, Brian George, Cree Summer, Maurice LaMarche, Elizabeth Daly, Jess Harnell, Cassucci, 
Andrea Martin, who was on SCTV, Eugene Levy, who was on SCTV, Dave Thomas, who was on SCTV, um, obviously all doing some voices there because of the SCTV connection with John Candy. Mm -hmm. And then for, I think for one episode, I saw a credit of the man, the myth, the legend, Frank Welker showed up. You can't stop him. You can only hope to contain him. You can't buck fuck uh, (laughs) Frank Welker. Jesus. (laughs) Uh, And so this was all set in a fictional summer camp run by John Candy. Almost all episodes would begin where John Candy would be trying to show some kind of outdoor skill to the kids, Mm -hmm. uh, to which it would then remind him of a story, and then he'd start telling this story. The theme song was written by Harry Nilsson. Uh, and John Candy sang it. Yep. The flea bites, the bee bites, the mark of the tree bites, the quietness of darkness, the stories told by firelight, the long night, the food bites, a summer made of memories at Camp Candy. And the, and the theme song sucks ass. <laughs> it's not great. It is not great. I will say, though, I was pleasantly surprised because it's not immediately apparent that it's John Candy singing. He, he has a much nicer singing voice than I would have imagined. Yeah, I I, I, I did not know. I'm Same with you. Didn't fully realize it was John Candy at first, uh, but then it kind of hit. He's like, oh, okay, yeah, it is. So, yeah, it was, it was interesting. Yeah. Harry Nilsson. Uh, he had a number one Billboard hit with a song "Without You." I can't live if living is without you. I can't live. I can't give anymore. I can't live if living is without you. I can't give and he had a number six hit. With a song called Everybody's Talking. Everybody's talking at me. I don't hear words saying. Only the echoes of my mind. People stopping still. I can't see their faces. Only the shadows of their eyes. Uh, and then he also had a number eight hit uh, with a song, Coconut. Which I, it was that song, it puts the lime in the coconut. <laughs> so, yeah. So, Harry Nilsson, you know, hell, he had three top ten hits. Yeah. And then he did the Camp Candy theme song. Theme song. <laughs> so, you got to make your money somehow. Yeah, you do. So, the show was produced produced by DIC Animation and Saban Entertainment, who did things like Inspector Gadget, Mask, Real Ghostbusters, Captain Planet, Mummies Alive. That was the last time we talked about them. Um, and I will say their top team was not used for Camp Candy. <laughs> the animation was not strong and does not hold up. Yeah. It looks it looks like it was from older than even like the early 90s to mm-hmm. me. 
I don't have much to talk about this because I could not get through very many episodes. In fact, I could only get through one. I was the same. I, and then I realized I never want to watch another fucking episode <laughs> of Camp Candy ever in my life. Yeah, it is. It's not great. Honestly, I was absolutely shocked that it made three seasons. Yeah. I, knowing that, yes, though I'm not really nostalgic for it, I knew this cartoon existed and I knew that it does have some kind of a following or people like it because it's like, okay, Camp Candy. Yeah, I've heard of it. But watching it's like this show sucks. Yeah, I, I can only yeah. imagine that it only appealed to to kids mm-hmm. and that kid brain because I I barely barely <laughs> made it through. Yeah, I enjoyed hearing John Candy's voice. Yeah, just because you know his voice makes me nostalgic, but not enough to to suffer another episode. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so that is the, uh, that's the end of Camp Candy for me. It sounds like the end of Camp Candy for you. Yep. This episode of the Blast from Our Past podcast is not brought to you by... Have you bought your season's tickets yet for the Toronto Argonauts? No? Well, you should. You know, I just, I got mine earlier, but this place over here, I just bought some tickets over here, season's tickets. It should be fabulous. Very inexpensive, too. A man out front sold them to me for a, a few million lira for one seat. He said it's a very good seat. I haven't seen it yet, but, but they're very nice here. He took my watch and is going to go get it repaired right now. Should be back any time now. All right. Well, we're going to uh, move on to the next part, which is our recasting of an Uncle Buck movie um so why do we do this to ourselves we don't know (laughs) maybe we like the challenge maybe we're maybe we're narcissistic yeah and i know some people out there like why would you recast it it doesn't need to be recast i'm like well because we just do this for fun people i i look at it as a fun mind exercise yeah you gotta do a little bit of research you gotta think you have to really think about it if you're if you're really interested um i did have a i had a rough time with most of this one um, I think my cast is okay. It's, I think it's acceptable. It's, yeah, it's uh, not I, perfect, I don't think. I feel the same way about mine. Now, granted, who I'm most excited about are the adults. Right. You know I have. You even asked, do you need to cast the kids? And I'm like, I don't want to, but we do need to because they're such an integral part. And honestly, you know, probably get some unnames or some no names right. who can start some careers like they did with uh, with both Gabby. Mm-hmm. And uh, Macaulay Culkin. So we are going to cast Buck, Shanice, Marcy, Tia, Maisie, Miles, and for fun, Bug. <laughs> yeah, I like that. <laughs> so let's start with Bug. Adam, why don't you uh, why don't you give us your Bug? I will. Um, and I thought about who are some of the char- some of the actors or characters who have bugged me, who have annoyed me <laughs> in a recent film. <laughs> This kid actor, well, he was he was a you know pretty young, I guess, when I saw him in the movie that I was that I'm about to talk to talk about. He was so annoying to me that I just I couldn't I couldn't stand him, and so I think he would be a good annoying awful bug. Uh, I went with Ty Simpkins. Uh, he was in Jurassic World. Yeah. He played like the I think the younger brother in that mm. one, and I was just he annoyed the shit out of me. Yeah. Was he the one who was also in Iron Man 3, or was it the older brother? It was, he was the one who was also in Iron Man 3. Okay. Yeah, it kind of annoyed me in that, too. Yeah, <laughs> yeah fair enough. No, he's about the right age now, so yeah, that's uh, exactly. that's probably a good call. 
he's obviously getting work, so he's obviously a decent enough actor. So mm-hmm. I totally can see how that would work. So cool. I, yeah, I like that. I also went with an actor who's around the same age. He might be a little bit older now. Um, he, he was kind of introduced to everyone as a kid and kind of grew up on the TV show he was on uh, right up until when he was killed off. Uh, I went with Carl Chandler Riggs. Oh, <laughs> that's a good one, too. He annoyed so <laughs> many people. Yeah, that's a good call, too. I like that one. So, Carl. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, yeah, he's yeah. I, he's about the right age, either late teens or yes. early twenties, early twenties at this point. So yeah, yeah, right. I think yeah, very very similar time frame to the actor I chose, uh, probably age range. But yeah, yeah. I like that. I, I very much approve of, of that method of <laughs> All right. casting. We we've got we've got our bugs. Got our first pick for bugs. All right, let's get those kids out of the way. Yes, those wacky kids, Miles and Maisie. Let's start with Maisie, <laughs> only because the person I. I casted for my Miles is much more well-known than my Maisie. It was a kid. I was looking around for kids who'd been in things, and I found a kid who'd been in things. I went with an actress uh, who was recently in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, and her name is Julia Butters. Everyone knows it's Butters. That's me. Cute kid. Yeah. (laughs) She's a cute kid. That is exactly all of my criteria was, was are you in the age range? And this girl seems 11 uh, right now, and so she could probably, you know, she could probably play a, a nine-year-old if you needed yeah. to, <laughs> or whatever. Yeah. And and it was kind of tough knowing exactly what their ages were. Right. Yeah, cute kid. She has been in stuff to make me feel like she could act. I mean, once upon a time in Hollywood, she was in Transparent for a couple of years. Yeah, she played a character on Criminal Minds called Gabby Hoffer. Gabby Hoffer, Gabby Hoffman. Oh my God, uh. the connections, John. <laughs> Those are stretching out there pretty good. <laughs> All right, who did you go with? I looked up, what are Disney shows right now? And so I was looking through Disney shows. Obviously, like I said much before, I cast my buck first, mm-hmm. and then I kind of had to cast accordingly. So I, I was looking through Disney shows. Like, okay, there's got to be a Disney show with like a eight- or nine-year-old kid or whatever on it. And so I came across this show called Raven's Home that stars um, Raven Simone, who seems to just constantly be doing stuff for Disney. But good for her. I mean, shit, I wish wish I made that kind of sweet Raven money. Exactly. Yeah. Um, this so this actress, I think, has only been in like a couple episodes of things here and there. Uh, she is adorable. And that's what I needed for my Gabby. She's been in the the big show that stars was it Paul White, the big show. She's been oh. in Raven's Home. She's been in a couple other things. Uh, her name is... Somali Rose, and she's just a cute kid. She is a cute kid. They, right? <laughs> isn't, isn't that what we need for our Maisie? Uh, yeah, I think that is pretty yeah. much the prime criteria. Cool. I'm, I'm all about it. Okay. Also, lets me know, I think I know where you went with Buck. We'll talk about that uh, later. Okay. All right, I might let you guess my Buck first. Okay. Uh, all right, so let's go to Miles. Who did you pick for Miles? What, uh, what right. random child did you pick for Miles? Yes, random child is correct. Uh, and I don't even know how I came across this kid, uh, but he seems to be in the, the right age range that I'm looking for. He played a character named Terran Settler Kid <laughs> on the show Star Trek Picard. That's recent. Okay. Uh, he's been on, he played Kid Visitor in Grey's Anatomy. <laughs> He played uh, boy pony writer in the show 911, <laughs> kid soccer player in the show Ballers. <laughs> he's got 
<laughs> very like extra background yeah. kind of roles, but he seems like a cute enough kid to potentially do what's needed for the miles. Mm-hmm. Um, he's got enough credits now. Granted, I'm knowing noticing that all of his credits now are like not named. <laughs> They're just like prankster kid, right. uh, com- community center kid, slingshot kid. Yeah. <laughs> He's got maybe one that actually has a name on it. But you know what? Damn it. This is the role that's going to bust him out. His name is Michael Ishan York. Okay. Cute kid. I saw all of Star Trek Picard. Unfortunately, I don't really remember him from that. You don't remember Settler Kid John? <laughs> <laughs> that one That one person no, uh, who played you, Terrence Who knows? Maybe, maybe, you've, uh, maybe you've discovered the next Macaulay Culkin there. Maybe. I hope. Dude, uh, hopefully he wouldn't have to have some of the... Uh, drug issues that McCulkin had for a while, but now he seems to be kind of back on the straight and narrow now, which is great to see of McCulkin. Culkin. Yeah, loving off that sweet yeah. Home Alone money. Oh my God, yeah, exactly. I mean, if I had all that sweet money when I was a kid, I probably would have done all the drugs and, <laughs> you know, you just, yeah, gone off the deep end, but then- Gone, you know, gone still, all Drew Barrymore on us. Uh, yeah, <laughs> but even she came back. That's true. Everybody. Robert Downey Jr. had some terrible times, but then he came back as a great actor. Yeah. It's okay. Do your drugs- <laughs> And then come back, America will forgive you. That's true. Uh, I did not have to go very far for my miles. Um, I just mm-hmm. went with uh, I, when I was when I thought of okay, who are kid actors who I know are doing big things right now and around the same age, and mm-hmm. I you know I don't I don't know that that he has the range of an early Macaulay Culkin, but he's a, he's a big enough name, and I think he'd be a big enough draw in that particular you know mm-hmm. he's obviously not the main draw, but. I went with Ian Armitage, young Sheldon. Yeah, he obviously has enough range where he's, you know, he had to follow a different character that was created by somebody else but make it his yep. own. He is definitely a big enough name right now in in kid actors, yeah. things like that. So I think that's a that's a good cool call. If if there's someone who's kind of a little bit more tried and true to to be like that next Macaulay Culkin, mm-hmm. I think that's a that's a good choice. Minus the divorcing your parents thing. Yeah, exactly. That was a weird. I forgot that he did that. I mean, but I think they they legitimately fucked him over probably uh, yes. with a lot of his money. So yeah. Uh, all right, Tia. I'm interested to see where we go with this. I will uh, go first. Um, I just uh, honestly, I picked an actress who had some good credits, not one who I've actually seen a lot of her stuff, mm-hmm. but she seems to be roughly around the right age. She's in her late teens right now. So she's right where I need her to be, and she's uh, been a reoccurring character on the show Stranger Things. I went with Sadie Sink, who plays a character of Max Mayfield in Stranger Things. Oh, yeah, Max. Yeah, she was good in, in Stranger Things. Yeah, she's, she, she has some tood in Stranger Things as well. I like that call. Okay. I didn't, yeah, I didn't, wow, I didn't realize that she was 18 now. Yep. It doesn't feel like Stranger Things was all that long ago, but... <laughs> When she was well, in, they, yeah. they always have like like a year or two in between seasons. So yeah, true. Yeah, I think that's a that's a fantastic call. Okay, she's a, she is a good good actress. I enjoyed seeing her in Stranger Things, and I can absolutely see that transition. Okay, cool. And who did you go with? Uh, I went with an actress who is a, a I think a good up and coming name. She has been in some uh, some bigger projects. Um, uh, it was a it was a big flop that she was in uh, called A Wrinkle in Time. Uh, the Disney movie, I think it was. I think it lost a lot of money. Mm-hmm. She is supposed to be in the upcoming uh, Suicide Squad as well, uh, but she has been in that show Euphoria. 
she's been in, I don't know. I just feel like I keep seeing her as an up and coming name uh, for young actresses today. Her name is Storm Reed. And that's who I went with, my Tia. Okay. I want to say I used her for casting once. I think so too. I, I'm I'm fairly certain that her name was um, that I remembered hearing that name before. Mm-hmm. She's got a lot of work under her belt, so you yeah. you know she's obviously doing something good because she's working, and that's the important mm-hmm. thing. So I'm all about it. Cool. I'm all about it. Uh, all right, Marcy. Uh, I had the hardest time with this one, and mm-hmm. I'm still not entirely confident in who I went with because I'm not entirely sure I went comedic enough with my actress. Okay. Um, but I'm gonna let you start us off with this one. Sure. Yeah. So I, I tried to stick with, um, yeah, comedic actress, uh, someone who I had seen who has kind of been that extra horny before, <laughs> if you will. Uh, now, this was way back in the film Wedding Crashers uh, 2005 that I remember seeing her kind of be this extra horny character. But I think I get Marcy vibes from her. Mm-hmm. Uh, she was also funny. I, she was in um, uh, some episodes of Arrested Development as well. Uh, more than a couple. She has 15 episodes of Arrested Development. She does a lot of funny uh, stuff, and I think she fits that that Marcy very well. I went with Isla Fisher. Oh, I've seen her name. Oh, yeah, I totally recognize her. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a good call. Cool. That's a good call. You, uh, that's a better call than mine. I'll just say that okay. right off the bat. I am not entirely sure what possessed me to pick this person. I <laughs> really don't know. I think other than I saw a picture, and I was like, oh, she kind of looks like Marcy looked. Mm-hmm. But she's, I don't think she's ever really done any kind of comedy. Not that I can tell. Um, she was a Bond girl, if that okay. helps. Um, and uh, she was in uh, the, uh, not Sin City, but the um, the sequel, A Dame to Kill For. I thought she did a really good job in 300 Rise of an Empire. I went with Ava Green. I don't really think she fits, though. Um. She is a good actress. She's a good actress. She's got a good look. I don't know if she has the comedy chops. Yeah, I. I that's the only thing I, I'd be saying with you. I mean, she's such a such a good actress that I am sure she'd find a way to do it. I have not seen her in anything comedic. Not to say that she ha- doesn't have something. She's got a bunch of credits, so maybe she is. But I'm sure she could be fine. Mm-hmm. Okay. But yeah. But I, same with you. I just I haven't seen the comedy to to know if it's if it's there. Yeah. Uh, all right, Shanice. Shanice. Let's see here. Uh, I will jump in with this one. This is another one I'm a little iffy about. I think she's a good actress, and she has done some like funny stuff. She, like she, she hasn't really been in comedies that I know of, mm-hmm. but she's been funny in some of the stuff I've seen her in. And I don't know, honestly, kind of like Ava Green. I'm not really entirely sure what possessed me to pick her. <laughs> Okay. Uh, other than she's about the right age, she's a good actress. I like seeing her in the stuff I see her in. She, I loved her in in Game of Thrones. Uh, she's been in all kinds of other stuff, um, but kind of her sort of pseudo silly performance as uh, Nymphadora Tonks in the Harry Potter movies. Mm. I went with uh, Natalia Tena. Yeah, yeah. You know, I mean, um, I I agree. She does even even in Game of Thrones. There's some kind of she she's got some kind of a she's got the right attitude. Aspects. Yeah, yeah. I mean, she could definitely you know bring it to Buck as Shanice mm-hmm. if she needed to. I'm not sure. I love. I haven't seen. I haven't seen like a more a, a more one to one right with Shanice with with her right. Uh, but I I like her and every time I see her in something and she was in the Mandalorian recently too playing a, a Twi'lek. I I've never really seen her play a character like this. But every time I see her in a movie or something, I like seeing her. So 
There's that. Maybe, yeah. I, mean, it, I think she's a strong maybe. Okay. Strong maybe. Cool. All right. Uh, who'd you go with? I, I went with someone who I think I've even used for a casting before. She does fit into the world of comedy sitcom acting stuff. Um, she sometimes, I've seen her play kind of like the, like the, not not the every woman, but kind of like the more rational, regular person, particular when she was in Parks and Rec. Um, I think she's got, just uh, the a right vibe for Shanice for me. I think she could play it just 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 well enough, exactly how I wanted it, uh, which is probably exactly how <laughs> the first actress played it. Uh, I went with Rashida Jones uh, for my Shanice. Okay. For some reason, I thought you were going with the other girl. Oh, um, the main person? No, not her. The one who was with Chris Pratt in oh, the show. Aubrey Plaza. Aubrey Plaza. Yeah, she, she has she's the right like, attitude, but I don't think she's old enough. She yeah she's I don't know she's a little she's a little and Aubrey Plus always plays like a little bit weirder characters That's true. and to to me Shanice was was very grounded she was a grounded person mm-hmm. um, so that's why I think Rashida Jones was a little bit more grounded in Parks and Rec and so and and in the Office as well yeah so that's kind of where I got the, that vibe uh, you know what I think you yeah I think you made the right call okay I think I think your call is better actually I like Rashida Jones cool. for that awesome I will take it all right uh, the buck stops here yeah. Uh, we're done with all the buck fucking. <laughs> I, can, I, can, I can never never say buck fuck enough. <laughs> buck fuck enough. Yeah. Uh, all right. So I came down to two actors for my buck. And I mm-hmm. think that the one I didn't choose is the one that you're going to go with. I could be wrong. Interesting. But I think the one that I didn't choose, and, and I'm hesitant to say it because I don't want to ruin it for you. Well, say say who you said first. Yeah, I'll and say then who say I went it. with, and then I'll tell you who I didn't go with. Okay. Um, and I had a really because I I see the I could see the benefit of either one. They're both comedic actors, but they do sort of different things. They're they're known for different things. Um, one of them is very well known actor, and the other one's very well known comedian who does some acting, and he's he's a little bit more silly. And I was like, well, maybe I can take it in a slightly different direction because I mean. If you just repeat the movie Uncle Buck mm-hmm. with new actors, I don't think it works. It'd be tough. You have to find some way to twist it somehow. Gotcha. You don't have to twist it a lot. You still need the you still need the same themes. So I I ended up going with Gabriel Iglesias. He's a I that's a fantastic call. Gabriel Iglesias is oh man. He's fluffy. He's, <laughs> he's hilarious. I want to see him in so many things that yeah. I think that's a great, great choice. Um, he he has his uh, his net. Yeah, he doesn't play. He plays like a teacher. He or plays something, a teacher. Right? It's ba- it's sort of based on his experience at his school um, when he was a you know when he was a student there. And he, the funny thing is, is I've watched I watched the whole first season. He's funny in it, but he needs new writers. Because the way that they wrote for uh, the other characters was like stupid, over the top, silly, and very cliche in a lot of ways. And I was like, oh, I'm watching this guy be funny and I'm loving seeing him on the screen and everything he's doing. But I'm like, I'm listening to like this, the dialogue and I'm like, oh, it's it's not working. So if you can find new writers for that show, I think his show would, would, would be better. But I, mm-hmm. I, he's a funny guy. He's a big guy. You know, he's he'd be fun to be around. I I think it'd be a, a good movie to kind of give him a chance to shine as an actor that he probably hasn't had yet. Yeah, I I, I the guy's awesome. His stand up, if anybody oh, hasn't God. listened to his stand up, is 
awesome. If you ever get a chance to see him live, too, he's just as funny live. Awesome. I bet. Yeah, he's, he's so animated. And mm-hmm. I think I, I remember, I can't remember if we both used his, used him or I, I know I'm, I, at least I put him as, um, the, the voice that Robin Williams did in, uh, oh yeah. uh, uh what was that film? Fern Gully. Fern Gully. Yeah. I used him as the bat. Mm-hmm. I can't remember if you did it as well or not, but he is, he's such an animated character. Like yeah. that guy, why is he not in, in, you know, he, he has that vibe to me. Mm-hmm. So I think that's a, gr- a great, great call. Okay. So the guy I didn't go with, it was actually the first person I thought about. Mm-hmm. And I was going to put him in until I kind of was like, all right, well, let me think about other people. And then I ended up going with Gabriel Iglesias. And when I thought of kind of a, the – my first guess was Anthony Anderson. I do love Anthony Anderson. Um, I'm a big fan of Blackish, and I've, I've used Anthony Anderson in other stuff. Uh, that's a good call. That is not who I went with. Okay. I ended up thinking about, I mean, I want, <laughs> I, I didn't go into your, your, I like your mentality of, okay, we, you know, Uncle Buck needs to be different and you can't have the same style of Buck. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, no, I want, <laughs> I want my Buck to be as much like Buck as, as the old Uncle Buck as possible. So I started to think, all right, I want somebody who is kind of big, who has done comedy stuff. And when I thought about John Candy... Oh, I think I know where you're going now. Okay. Go ahead. When I thought about John Candy, I thought about his time on SCTV, which made me think about sketch comedy and shows like that, which led me to SNL and the guy who's been on SNL longer than anyone else, and he is funny, and I would love to see him transition into some more comedic movies and not just kind of some of the TV that he's done for so many years. I went with Keenan Thompson okay. as my buck. That is not where I thought you were going. Okay. Uh, yeah, I, I really liked the sketch comedy um, connection mm-hmm. between the two of them, and so that's that's where that's what led me to him. That would be interesting and a different take, and I would give yeah. you that. For some reason, when you were talking, I thought you were about to go with uh, Craig Robinson. <sighs> Craig Robinson's funny too. He he would do a funny, a very different kind of Uncle Buck, more of like a weed weed. <laughs> You know, stoner kind of right. Uncle Buck as opposed to like a drunk bum Uncle Buck. A little drier. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, maybe he could have a little piano scene too. That might be funny. <laughs> Craig Robinson it would be a fun choice too. I wouldn't I wouldn't shit on that if that happened. Yeah. I like Keenan Thompson. An interesting uh interesting choice. But mm-hmm. I'd I'd be willing to to give it a shot. Okay. He's not he's not a big enough name. He's not as big as Honestly, not as big of a name as Gabriel Iglesias or Craig Robinson or Kevin Hart, right? Or that's what anybody. My else. immediate thought was they would pick Kevin Hart to do something like this. I could, I could totally see yeah, that. I could absolutely. Yeah, I could see them doing that too. For the money. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, all right. I don't really have anything else to add into <laughs> yeah. that list. So, yeah. All right. I mean, it was tough. Yeah. Uncle Buck is tough, and and we don't need another Uncle Buck. Just rewatch, you right. know the one we know and love, but damn it, if they ever do, I think we came up with some mediocre castings. <laughs> I think we came up with some with some good options for them. Yes. Which yeah, is yeah. why they should hire us. We're, we're, we're waiting by the phone, Hollywood, with bated breath. Don't, don't you buck fuck us, Hollywood. <laughs> <laughs> one last time, had to. And that was our casting of an Uncle Buck reboot. Please join us next time for another Top 10 episode. This time we are joined by the guys from the Dr. DC podcast to go over our Top 10 DC Comics storylines. 
If you have any questions or comments, you can reach us at blastfromourpast at gmail.com. And if you want to suggest a movie or TV show from your childhood or to be a guest on the podcast, go over to patreon.com backslash blastpastcast and pick a tier that works for you. To find us on social media, search for at blastpastcast. So until next time, I'm John. And I'm Adam. And thanks for joining us. See you next time. everybody, I'm Corey. And I'm Zach. And we're the hosts of Podcasting After Dark, a cast dedicated to late-night horror and sci-fi of the 80s and 90s, often found on HBO and Cinemax. You know, the movies your parents didn't want you watching as a kid. You can find us every other week on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Podbean, and Stitcher. This is what you want. This is what you get. <laughs>